Welcome to the Vineyard. If this is your first time, my name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we have been in a series on healing called A Church That Believes in Healing. Uh, when I came to Christ, nobody explained anything to me when I became a Christian. Nobody gave me much of a, told me this is the way it was supposed to be. And uh, so I just picked up the Bible and I started reading it. And as I read through it, I read some pretty phenomenal things in there. I mean, I read stories of people being touched and healed and all kind of things. And, and then after a few years of being in church and, and around churches, I found out that not all churches believe that God still does this stuff. And that actually that sometimes they believe, yeah, there's a book that God wrote, but once the book was finished, he doesn't do what's in the book anymore. And I'm like, that's kind of confusing. I mean, why would I have a book that gave, you know, this compilation of books with all these great stories of what it's like for Jesus Christ to come into your life, to forgive you of your sins, to fill you with his presence, and then say, and by the way, here's the book, and then just go back to your life as normal. When they've got all these great stories in here of how God did phenomenal things back in the day. But does he still do them? So we've been on a bit of a journey the last couple of weeks uh, at looking at what does it mean to be a church that believes in healing. Uh, I like to call it divine healing, not faith healing or anything like that because it is God that does the healing. None of us actually do it. Uh, it's, it's God. If anybody is ever touched, it's him that does it. And uh, just about three weeks ago, there was a guy sitting back uh, in the, down this road back to the left and we got to the end of the service, and we were finishing up a series on prayer. And during the, when we went back into worship, uh, this guy's shoulder got healed in the worship. I mean, he starts doing this number, you know, and he comes over to me at the latter part of the worship and says, he was a Cajun, he was from Louisiana, here on vacation. He goes, hey, look, my, look at my, look at my shoulder. Look at my shoulder. Now I'm going to have a good vacation, you know, <laughs> doing this. And I get this email from him this week. And I want to read this to you. I got this on Friday. He says, uh, thank you for your email. We appreciate your remembering us and our family members in prayer. And we especially appreciate your prayers. The guy's name was Gus. He wouldn't mind this. Gus, for Gus's shoulder being healed. It has been two weeks since that Sunday when you prayed for his right shoulder. And Gus has continued to be able uh, to move his shoulder without any resistance. However, the left shoulder is still in pain. Please pray for God to touch the left shoulder as he did the right one. Thank you. So, Father, we pray for you to touch his right shoulder. Right now, Father, you touched his left shoulder. You can touch his right shoulder. So, Jesus, we ask for you to show your love to Gus and touch him, Lord. Amen. So we enjoyed our visit to Seacoast Vineyard Church. The service was a wonderful time of resting in the Lord for us. The music, the message, and the healing was all evidence to us personally of God's grace and perfect love. We believe that he led us to attend Seacoast Vineyard that Sunday morning and he truly blessed us on this trip to Myrtle Beach. Should our travels ever bring us back to Myrtle Beach area, we will certainly look forward to visiting Seacoast Vineyard again. Blessings to you all. Then he signed off with this French Cajun blessing that I can't pronounce. And um, so anyway, you know, God surprises us at times by doing some things and that maybe we just didn't expect. And 
We are a church, uh, if you're new to this church, we are a church who believes that God still heals people today. He still wants to touch people emotionally, physically, in many ways. And so we're going to look today at a story uh, that Jesus, a place where Jesus healed this guy over in John 5. If you've got your Bibles and you want to turn over there, John 5, verse 1. If you've got your app, pull it up. If you've got your uh, version app on your phone, you can pull that up. John 5 and verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to be well, to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am still trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. See, the story was that at this particular pool, an angel would come, move the water, and then the first one in got healed. So can you imagine what that was like? I mean, if the wind blew across the water or something, first one in, you know, they were just diving, trying to get in. This guy's an invalid. He can't get into the water without help. So he's explaining to Jesus what's going on. Someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. I think that's hilarious. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. He did it. He's the reason I got healed and walking on the Sabbath. You know, I can walk on the Sabbath. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making him equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. Father, I pray for you to put life on your word. Pray that you'd help me here, Lord, and uh, in the third service, that your presence would come, and that we would know you are here. Holy Spirit, grace us with yourself. (laughs) We need you, Lord. We need you here, and we need you now. So we ask for you to come. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, if you got your handout you want to pull out, there's a fill-in in there if you want to track along with me. 
uh, I want to share a few things that may hinder us from seeing more healing in our church and in our life uh, that we can learn from this story. Your first fill-in there is what hinders healing. Our mindset can hinder seeing healings, our mindset. Yeah, I got to wear these glasses because my eyes, you know, I got old and I couldn't see anymore. And so I had to get these glasses. And some of you guys, you know, your vision's not great, so you have glasses to help. What a mindset is kind of like putting on a pair of glasses. If I collected every one of your glasses this morning and brought them up here, and I put your glasses on, I would see all of you would look different to me. Some of you would be blurred out. I couldn't see uh, your features. Whereas if I put my glasses on, I can see you really clearly. A mindset is kind of like a pair of glasses that you have. You got this pair of glasses through the way you were raised, through your church history, uh, maybe through what your parents taught you, maybe through some of the letdowns and all in life. You developed a certain, they call it a paradigm. It's like a grid of looking at life through. Every one of us have it. And all of us have a different grid. All of us have a different set of glasses that we see life through. And if we have a grid or we have a set of glasses a paradigm, a mindset that doesn't allow for healing, then probably we're not going to see any. We're probably not going to see it happen in us whenever uh, we see someone sick and we should go over and pray for them. It might not even happen for us at times because we don't have a grid for it. We don't have a mindset for it. Um, Here in this story, the pool would have to stir and they would believe it was an angel that was doing that and then they... You know, the guy that got into it the quickest would get healed, supposedly. That was the only mindset they had. That's the only mindset the guy who had been sick for 38 years had. I mean, Jesus was there. The leaders of the temple were there. But nobody had a mindset that said this guy, Jesus, could heal them. I mean, we have our mindsets, don't we? I mean, we believe that doctors heal. I believe doctors heal. Do you not? Medicines, counselors. I believe that's one way God heals. That is a part of a mindset. I've been the recipient of good doctor's care, of good medicine when I needed it at the time, of good counseling. I've been the recipient of receiving great counsel at times in my life. I believe God uses every bit of that. But is that the whole grid of how God touches us? Is the pool of water the only grid we have for how God could possibly heal and touch us? If we don't have a mindset that Jesus still can do what he has always done and what he did then, then we won't see as many healings as maybe we could. I mean, good question for us. Even when we go to the doctors and and, uh, we go to our counselors and we take the medicine that we should, a good question for us to ask is, have I prayed enough too? Am I praying about my situation? Have I asked God to heal me? And the people that you care for and your family members and all, are we praying enough as well? Have we increased the grid? Not just doctors, not just medicine. It includes that, but do, we, is our, you know, do our glasses include a picture of Jesus healing in the midst of that grid? Because if he's not in there, then we probably won't see it like we could. We probably won't see as many healings. Secondly, bad examples can hinder us from seeing more healing. Bad examples. The only example these folks had was a bad one, and that was the superstition of water moving, you know, that an angel was moving some water, and you jump into it, and you can be healed. Maybe the only time you've seen what you consider to be a healing is 
some flamboyant personality on television dressed real weird and yelling. And so that's the only example you've got. And you see that example and you go, I could never be like that. Well, I say good. You don't need to be like that. I mean, that's not a good example. A good example is just to be yourself. Be yourself. This guy didn't even know who Jesus was. How's that? Jesus didn't walk into the pool and go, look at me. I am the Messiah. Here I am. He walks in. He obviously asks some questions about who the guy was. He found out the guy had been an invalid for 38 years. The guy doesn't know who Jesus is, and he doesn't know when he leaves. How's that for being (laughs) low-key? You come in, you heal somebody, and then Jesus just goes, who was that masked man? I mean, who was it? Who was he? You could just be yourself if you get these bad examples of healing and like you've got to yell and you've got to scream and you know, you've got to look a certain way and you, you just got to have this monumental faith and all of these kind of things, then you will never step into praying for people. You'll think, God could never use me. So take a look at your examples, I mean, and see if you have some bad ones. In the vineyard, we call it being naturally supernatural. Just be yourself. We did a series back, what was it, five years ago, six years ago, through the book, Naturally Supernatural. Maybe we need to do that in the church again. We took all our small groups, tracked through it. We used a study. I preached for five weeks on what it means to live a naturally supernatural life. That's just being yourself, but joining Jesus in what he's doing in the world. And that's the way that the vineyard, that's our approach to ministry. That's our approach to being on mission with Jesus in this world. You know, we just can be ourselves. If you've got some bad examples, then probably you won't step into this. You won't ever pray for anybody to be healed. You'll probably think, I can't do that. Thirdly, you know, we can get lazy. Our laziness can hinder us. We can just not pray. We can just go, what's the, what's the use? I mean, I just, uh, you know, this guy had been sick for 38 years and uh, hadn't got into the water yet, I suppose. And, I mean, we can grow lazy in looking at people in situations and saying, you know, I, I don't need to pray for them anymore. Or we can even grow lazy in asking people to pray for our situation. Um, Freud, Sigmund Freud spoke about what he called the benefits of being sick. And he said there are benefits. And you can imagine what they are. Now, this is, going to sound, this is going to sound tough, but stick with me, okay? The benefits of sickness are what? You get caregiving. You get attention from loved ones. You're able to say, oh, I can't go to that tonight. I just don't feel well. I mean, you can bail out of situations. You can get a lot of rest because you're just not up to it. You can say, oh, you know, I can't. You know, I'm sick. I've got this particular situation, and I just can't go. You can withdraw from unpleasant situations. Like if you have a confrontation and you need to talk to somebody, you can go, oh, emotionally, I can't handle that. You know where I am right now. And so it kind of blocks you away, and you're not, you don't have to deal with confrontation. Uh, if you're married, you know, and I mean, you're having struggles, you can avoid sex. You're like, well, you know, I just haven't felt good lately, and... And uh, I just can't do that. And then you can also have access to drugs. I mean, the doctor puts you on some, some help and you become where you like it. And, uh, you know, you want to stay sick so you can stay 
connected to those drugs and have them. And I know it sounds cruel. I'm not being cruel. But you know that can happen. Jesus asked this guy, why would he ask this guy, do you want to get well? Because sometimes we don't want to get well. Sometimes we settle in. We settle into it and we kind of enjoy the attention and we enjoy it and it becomes, it becomes life. The sickness becomes life and we beca- it becomes routine. And I think probably for this guy, that's exactly what had happened. And so Jesus looks at him and says, do you really, do you really want to get well? Do you? And I'm thinking 38 years, duh. If I'm stuck on a pallet and I can't walk, yeah, I want to get well. So our own laziness and settling in and saying, well, this is just the way it is. You know, I'm going to be like this and, and I'm not going to ask for prayer anymore. Or we see someone like that and we quit praying for them because we think they've settled into it. Uh, maybe we need to, to ask them, do you want to be free from that sexual addiction? I mean, do you want to be free from it? Or have you made friends with it to the point that that's life for you? Do you want to be free from smoking? Do you want to be free from drinking too much? You just drink too much. Do you want to be free from that? Do you want to be free, you know, from feeling sorry for yourself? Or have you settled in? Those are valid questions at times to ask. And I think that's what Jesus did. Because if we grow lazy in this and we just settle in, then we'll see less healing than we could. I mean, people... You know, people won't get healed the way that they could. I know I, I preached on when God says no in prayers just a few weeks ago. But listen, if God has not said to you, no, I am not going to do this in your life, you should be praying to get healed. You should be praying. You should have people praying for you. Continue in. If he hasn't said no, go and pray. Pray. Fourthly, our disillusionment can hinder healing. We just have been doing it for so long and praying for so long for somebody. We haven't seen the healings. We just get disillusioned. We're like, man, Tim, this, this stuff just doesn't work. I mean, this is like some fairy tale deal. And we get disillusioned. We've prayed for a family member and it hasn't happened for them. Let me ask you this. How many of you have been praying for something for five years now? Put your hands up. I want people to see. Look around you. Five years, some people have been praying for something. How many of you have been praying for 10 years for something still? Okay, look. How many of you have been praying for 20 years for something? Wow. How many of you have been praying for 30 years for something? How many of you have been praying for 42? That's as long as I've been a Christian. So how many of you have been praying for 42 years for something? Yeah. You can get disillusioned, can't you? I mean, you pray, you pray, you pray, you stay in there, and suddenly you go, it's not happening. I don't know why it's not happening, but it's not happening, Tim. And we grow disillusioned. I think that can can happen whether you're young or whether you're old. It doesn't matter. Why why isn't it happening? Maybe it's spiritual warfare. You realize that healing is a part of, of us doing a kind of a battle spiritually. When Jesus came and saved us, when he came, went to the cross, and when you acknowledged that Jesus did that and you began your journey with Jesus, that was just the beginning. You know that not every part of your life is saved yet, right? How many of you know that? You would say there are certain parts of my life that I know Jesus is not the boss of yet. I'm still the boss of it. Yeah. 
I mean, we all got that. We all, if we're all going to be honest, we all need to raise our hands. It's like, my name's Tim. Hi. Hi, Tim. This is a group for recovering sinners right here. You know, it, it, I mean, that's, that's what it is. I mean, we've all got it. But it's a process. God begins the process of healing us, of saving every part of us. That initial decision with Jesus was just the beginning. Now we're off to the races and God is at, He is doing His work in us to bring His kingdom, His rule and His reign to our life. To be the Lord, the boss, over every single area. I'm not the husband yet that the kingdom wants me to be, that the king wants me to be, but I'm on my way. As the kingdom comes, I'm not the man of God that God wants me to be completely yet, but I'm on my way. And healing is like that sometimes. It's process. It's we're doing a battle to see God's kingdom in His fullness come to our lives for us to be fully whole the way that Christ intends for us to be whole. And there's a spiritual warfare involved in that. Battling it out and praying and staying there. And it's easy to get disillusioned in that. Um, we had a couple from another town last week with us here. They come every time they're in town. They, they love this church and they worship with us. When he was here about, um, the when they were here about a year ago, when he walked in, he, he looked really bad. Uh, he had cancer. Uh, his PSA, some of uh, you men know what PSA is. Prostate cancer is a, you know, the, the levels, the prostate-specific antigen levels. I think what, between a 4 and a 10, something like that is supposed to be normal. His were 4,000 when he came six months ago. Uh, he had, you know, he didn't look good. He came into church. He got prayer over here with our prayer team. His church back home was praying for him. When he walked in last Sunday, I saw him, and he looked, he looked a lot better, you know, and when the service was over, I skipped back to him and found out, uh, he said, I just want to thank you guys for praying. Uh, my PSA level is 1,000 now. It's down to 1,000. He said, I was supposed to be dead six months ago, but my PSA level is down to 1,000. And he told me, he said, Tim, I have this verse that I pray over my life. And if, you're getting, if you get disillusioned, listen to this verse. He said, this is the verse I pray. It's Psalm 30, verses 8 and 9. To you, O Lord, I called. To the Lord I cried for mercy. What gain is there in my destruction? In my going down into the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? And he said, Tim, I want to praise the Lord a little longer on this earth. I want my life to be an example of Christ. I don't think my time's up yet. And so he, he prays this every day over his life. Lord, let heal me that I may praise you on the earth now. So if you're getting disillusioned, why don't you take Psalm 30 verses 8 through 9 for yourself when you pray for people. And go, the dust can't praise God. But people that are alive can praise God. And pray for them. Why doesn't it happen all the time? Why doesn't it happen when we pray? I don't know. John 3, 8. Jesus said, hey, the spirit, it blows it, where it wants to. It goes where it wants to. Nobody can tell you where it's going. You know, the wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it's... So so it is with the Holy Spirit. 
I mean, there's a mystery in this, isn't there? But we hang in there. We continue to pray. Uh, I want to read you this story because uh, this is John Wimber, our founder in the vineyard. When he first saw this stuff in the Bible, he says, well, if it's in the Bible, man, I want to do this stuff. You know, this stuff looks really exciting. So he, they had been praying about 10 months in, in John's church out in California for healing. And just listen to this, to this story. But after 10 months of unsuccessful prayer, I had my greatest defeat. By this time, our church was meeting in a high school gymnasium that had a curtain stretched across the stage. At the completion of each service, we invited people behind the curtain to receive prayer. The gymnasium was not air-conditioned. The room was unusually hot and humid. On this occasion, several men and I prayed for another man. I cannot remember what his condition was. We prayed for two hours, praying every prayer that we knew, desperate to see the man healed. Finally, in despair, we stopped. I was so disconcerted that I threw myself on the floor and began weeping. It's not fair, I screamed. You tell us to teach what your book says, but you don't back up, back up our act. Here we are, we're doing the best we can do, and nothing happens. You tell us to believe in healing and pray for healing, but you are not doing anything. Oh God, it's not fair. I was brokenhearted. After a few minutes, I came to my senses and looked up only to see the other men lying there with me, calling out to God. We were all broken over the experience. I limped home and fell into bed, wondering what the future held. The next morning, I was awakened by the phone ringing. One of our newest members was on the line. He said, I just got a brand new job and I've got to go to work today. My wife is sick with a fever. I can't stay home and take care of the kids and we can't find a babysitter. Can you come pray for her? I'll be right there, I said. I hung up the phone and stared at the ceiling. God... Look what you got me into this time. This guy really believes this stuff. <laughs> He's going to lose his job or I'm going to have to take care of his kids today. <laughs> when I arrived at the house, the husband led me into their bedroom. His wife looked terrible. Her face was red and swollen with fever. Oh no, I groaned inwardly. This looks like a hard one. <laughs> I walked over, laid hands on her, mumbled a faithless prayer, and then I turned around and began explaining to her husband why, so, why some people do not get healed, a talk I had perfected during the previous 10 months. I was well into my explanation when his eye caught something behind me. Then he started grinning. I turned around to see his wife out of bed looking like a new person. What's happened to you, I asked. I'm well. Would you like to stay for some coffee or breakfast? <laughs> I could not believe it. She was well. I politely declined her offer of hospitality and left. Halfway back to my car, I fully realized what had happened. All the months of questioning and despair, excitement and disappointment, revelation and humiliation, the full force of these emotions and hopes washed over me. Then I became euphoric and giddy, and I yelled at the top of my lungs, we got one! <laughs> oh, what a great story. Don't grow disillusioned in praying. We don't understand it. We live in that time of the already and the not yet of the kingdom. We continue to pray that God would come, and uh, 
He does things in his own timing, at his own time. And so we are to continue to press in. Uh, The fifth one here is our theology can hinder us. Our theology can hinder us. That is, we just, again, don't have that context. Maybe we were raised in a situation in another denomination or whatever. It doesn't allow for, for healing. Maybe what we've heard is God uses sickness to discipline us. God uses sickness uh, to train us. And, and I'm not saying God can't use anything He wants to. He can and He does. Uh, but if we've been taught that, then we have some bad theology. And our theology won't allow us to even consider the fact that Jesus still does this stuff. And so we won't participate and we won't see the healings that maybe we could see. I mean, look at these Jewish leaders in this story in John 5. It says, And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. What? The guy got healed and all they can talk about is, Hey, this doesn't fit our theology. What are you doing? And the law didn't forbid forbid the carrying of the mat. That's not in the Old Testament. That was some of their additional rules that they added. But because their theology didn't even have room for it, they discounted it. Couldn't even rejoice with the guy that he was healed. Um, We have a book. I guess there's some left. I don't know if if everybody got them in the first two services or not. If we're out and they're already sold out. We have a book out there called Doing Healing. It's by a vineyard guy from South Africa, Alexander Venter. And this is one of the most all-inclusive books I've ever seen on healing from the vineyard standpoint. Standpoint. He's a theologian in the vineyard, and uh, he covers the praxis, the practice. He covers the philosophy, the theology of the kingdom of healing. And if you really want to dig into this, this is the book to get. Who likes to read and who wants to look more into healing? Anybody here want this book? If you get up here and get it, it's yours, whoever gets up here first. There you go. That's all right. Check it out out there. Or theology. So how can we encourage healing? Two little, three things here. TLC in your handout. TLC. One is we can train. We can train. And by that, we can get with some other people who pray for healing. We have a prayer team here. They'll be up at the end of the service right over here to my left. Uh, You can see my wife, Karen. Uh, You can see Brian that was up here. You can see Sharon. You can see Paul Alverson, one of our elders, all of these guys, and then there's many of you part of the part of the prayer team. I'd just go over to somebody and say, Man, can I pray with you for somebody? You know, could show me how to do it. The vineyard developed this five step prayer model that anybody can use to pray for someone who's sick. So that we all get in this thing. You know, we all get to play. We all get to do this stuff. All of us. And so uh, you know, get with someone, pray with someone else for someone. And uh, your second one there, T, and then the L is leap into it. Take a leap of faith. Pray for someone. We surfers, when we take a wave, we say, you don't know if you don't go. You know, you don't know if you're going to make the wave or not. You don't know till you paddle in. You just don't know. What's the biggest obstacle for us in praying for people to be healed? Yeah, and it's fear of what? Us looking bad. That's what it is. Let's just be honest. It's fear. It's it's like I'm going to look a fool. I'm going to look like a fool. What if God doesn't heal this person? Listen, the worst that's going to happen, if you'll just be yourself and pray for somebody, is they're going to know you care about them. That's the worst that's going to happen. If you just take the time to ask the Lord to come and touch them, 
How is that going to offend them? You cared enough. Matter of fact, years ago, a bunch of us went out and went we went door to door. And our one question when we knocked on the doors was, can we pray for you for anything? Did you know I did not have one, do- one person ever tell me, get off of my property? Nobody ever did that. Nobody ever told me that. And I mean, I'm knocking on doors that people don't know me. We went out in twos and threes together. And we, we took the city. It was over in Conway. We took the city and we mapped it out in blocks. And then we, a bunch of us took the whole city and we went through the city and saw that every single house had somebody go by it and knock on it and say, can we pray for you? And, you know, some of the other guys may have had somebody say, no, you can't, but I never had anybody tell me that. And we simply stayed on the, some people invited you in, some people, you know, we stayed on the front porch and they said, my father's sick, well, let's pray for your father. At least they knew there was a church in town that cared enough to pray for their loved one. So maybe we ought not be too concerned about, you know, what we look like, because we're out there for them and for the cause of Christ, right? We want to see people touched and healed. And we don't know unless we go. You guys remember Babe Ruth? Anybody in here? I mean, not that I was around when the Babe, you know, the Bambino. I know I'm old, but I'm not, you know, not quite that old. But the, the Bambino, Babe Ruth, in 1923, broke the record for the most home runs in a season. He broke the record for the highest batting average. And he also broke the record for the most strikeouts the same year. You don't know till you go. And sometimes, yeah, it won't happen. But you've got zero chance of it happening if you don't jump in the batter's box. Reggie Jackson, I remember that game, that World Series back in the 70s that was so famous. He batted 357 in 27 World Series games. Can you believe that? 357. He hit three home runs in one game off of three different pitchers. He hit five home runs in one World Series. And he also struck out 2,597 times, almost 26% of his at-bats. You don't get a hit unless you get into the batter's box. If we stay back and we don't step in, we don't take a leap of faith, we will never see. And what if there are some things God will not do unless we participate with him? And pray for someone. What if there are some people who are not going to be healed unless we pray for them? Stepping into the batter's box. We don't have to swing away in our own strength either. You know that. It's different than baseball. The metaphor breaks down there because we just have to get in the box and swing with our own strength because it's his strength, it's his power that does the healing, not us. But we've got to get in the box. You've got to step in the box. We have to take a leap of faith. And lastly, your C there, TLC, your C is celebrate. We celebrate going out and praying for people. You go back to your small group and you go, I prayed for this person this week. And you celebrate that. And when you get reports of people who have been touched and healed or they've been encouraged, we tell those stories and we celebrate those stories. And then you'll begin in the church, this buzz will start happening. And the church that believes in healing will suddenly get excited about seeing healing. We are a church that believes in healing. It is a, was a huge part of Jesus' ministry. He preached the kingdom and he healed. 
That was his ministry. What did he do most of? He talked about the kingdom of God and he healed the sick. That's what he did. It went, it went hand in hand. Because when the kingdom comes, God brings to fullness his will for a person's life. And then he gave it to the church and he said, go preach the kingdom. Lay hands on the sick. They will recover. Cast out demons. That's an exciting life. Not just walk down the aisle and that's it. Go back to your normal, boring, sinful life. You got Jesus now. Go back to life. No, it's come, leave your nets, leave the boat, follow me, and let's go on this journey. Let's go on this mission of seeing the kingdom, the fullness of God's presence come to this world. That's the call of the church, and that's the church we want to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your, thank you for your spirit. Thank you that indeed you still heal people. You've touched me so many times in my life, Lord, when I needed a touch. You've touched people in this room, and now you want to use the people in this room to pray for others. If you're someone and you'd say, Tim, I, uh, I would really love to pray for someone and see them healed, would you raise your hand? Just be so bold and say, that, man, I would love to be able to see that happen. Okay, I wonder if you would also do this for me. Would you stand up? And I want to pray for you. Just stand up. And here's, here's what I want you to do. If you would just stick out, forward your hands, stick your hands out like this. We're just going to ask for the Holy Spirit to come. And through His grace and His mercy and His love for this world, he would flow through us in seeing others healed and touched. Come, Holy Spirit, for your church to be your hands extended. Come, Jesus. We love your church, Lord. It's the church of power and of grace church of deliverance and healing, a church in mission and on mission with you, Lord, a city on a hill, a lamp without a shade so that others can be drawn to it for healing. Thank you.